Hello friends, welcome to God's Eagle Ministries. At God's Eagle Ministries, we're seeding the nations with God's word. God is transforming lives through the timeless truth in his word. Uh, today, Wednesday, the 9th of March, 2022, and Okada content count is 2,220,532. The main title today is Call No Man Father, Teacher or Leader. Why? Plus, Children First. God's counterintuitive instructions from, from God and hidden reasons that needs to be obeyed. No questions asked. The subtitle, it's under Perfect Words, Works and Wonders. Call no man father, teacher or leader and make children priority as God's counterintuitive instruction plus hidden reasons why you should obey them. Part 2. Praying for the people of the continent of Oceania, a call to righteousness and justice. So, uh, before I go on, I would like us to pray. Our Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this moment. Thank you for the privilege to share your word to your people, called by your name. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are to us, for life, for shelter, for food, for air that we can take in. We don't pay for it, nothing. Father, we thank you for fuel, uh, to fuel our bodies. Thank you for the sun, the moon, and the star. Thank you for water. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing for us. So you be all the praise and honor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so this moment, I ask that your spirit, Holy Spirit, I ask that you bread life upon this content. That as it goes out, it will reach to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and bone and marrow as many that will hear this. And we kick them to the purpose and plans of God for their lives in these times and seasons in the name of Jesus Christ. Your word says you sent your word and your word brought healing, deliverance and restoration. As this word goes out to the four winds of the earth, I ask that healing, deliverance, restoration takes place now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for answer prayer. I hide myself behind the cross. I ask that you use my voice and speak to your people. And that they will hear you, not they will hear you or hear you through my voice in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That they will be refreshing to their spirit, their soul, and their body, and all around them. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Hello, friends. Welcome to the second part of our counterintuitive instructions from God and why you and I should obey them. Today's main title is Call No Father, Teacher, or Leader. Why did God say that? Children first. God's counterintuitive instructions from God and hidden reasons that needs to be obeyed. No questions asked. In our initial post on God's instructions, we define counterintuitive instructions as instructions that does not make common sense to humans. Another definition says something that goes against what you believe will be logical, or something that goes against common sense. When treating someone badly makes him like you more instead of less, this is an example of something that is counterintuitive, contrary to intuition or common sense, or contrary to what one would intuitively expect. And if you, uh, if you, in in the earlier post, you can you can get a link uh, to the first part of it, which was five instructions. And the title, uh, we looked at five counterintuitive instructions and hidden reasons why you should obey them as follows. The five of them is number one, love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them and give to them in good words and in good deeds. Number two, the greatest or the leader should be the servant. One to be first, be the last of all, 
and seven to four. Number three, the way to live in God is to die first. Number four, forgive 490 times a day if they apologize. And number five, give and you receive. Good measure, press down, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Before we go into the next two instructions, we would like to introduce the prayer theme for the continent of Oceania today and our uh, last post. The title to our last post was Perfect Temptation, Trials and Testing. What are the differences? How do we handle them? And true stories of temptations, trials and testings as perfect ingredients to our standing testimonies. And you can find the links there on our website. Now, prayer for the people and continent of Oshania, a call to righteousness and justice. The scriptures for meditation today are as follows. Psalms 89, verses 14 to 18, Amplify Bible, Classic Edition. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy, loving kindness, and truth go before your face. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are the people who know the joyful sound, who understand and appreciate the spiritual blessings symbolized by the feast. They walk, O Lord, in the light and favor of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all the day, and in your righteousness they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, their proud adornment. And by your favor, our horn is exalted. And we will we walk with uplifted faces. Verse 18, For our shield belongs to the Lord, and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Next scripture that we'll be meditating on, or we'll be taking our prayers from today on uh, righteousness and justice, is Psalms 19, verses 12 to 14. Who can discern his lapses and errors? Clear me from hidden and unconscious faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless, and I shall be innocent and clear of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my firm, impenetrable rock and redeemer. Next scripture is Psalm 7, verse 7 to 9. Let the assembly of the people be gathered about you and return on high over them. The Lord judges the people. Judge me, O Lord, and do me justice according to my righteousness, my rightness, justice, and right standing with you, and according to the integrity that is in me. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the uncompromisingly righteous, those upright and in harmony with you. For you who try the hearts and emotions and thinking, thinking, powers are a righteous God. And finally, Psalms 139 verses 23 to 24. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The prayer today for us and also for the people of, of Shania is as follows. Father, you are God of order, principles, and fairness. Your word says righteousness and justice are the foundation upon which your throne is built. Judge us and do justice for us according to our righteousness in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Search our hearts thoroughly, dear Holy Spirit. And know the hidden thoughts in our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in us. And lead us in the way that leads to everlasting life. Not just for me, not just for the, my hearers, but for the people of the continent of Oceania. And we ask that let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end as we take our stand in righteousness and fairness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let's dive into the uh, two 
counterintuitive instructions from our Heavenly Father that simply does not make sense to our finite minds. Hidden reasons why you should obey them. No questions asked. So the first one is, children should be our role model in the kingdom of God as they are on God's priority list. The kingdom belongs to people like them and they're the greatest in the kingdom. It is shocking that what God prioritizes we relegate to the sideline. Visit any church setting and you will find out that children are usually at the back or in a different building from where the main show is taking place. When children give advice, people hardly listen to them because they are underrated in terms of mental capacity. Yet God says their angels are always in his presence, looking upon his face, and whoever welcomes them welcomes him. And if wrong is done to them or if they are misled to do the wrong thing, a stiff penalty awaits the culprit. What then can we learn from children that makes them so special before God for application? And why is God singling them out as our role model? Let's look at the book of life, starting from Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. But he said, leave the children alone. Allow the little ones to come to me and do not forbid or restrain or hinder them. For of such as this is the kingdom of heaven composed. And Matthew 18, verses 1 to 14, Amplified Bible Classic Edition. At that time, the disciples came up and asked Jesus, Who then is really the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to himself and put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you repent, change, turn about, and become like little children, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. Whoever will humble himself, therefore, and become like these little children, trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives and accepts and welcomes one little child like this for my sake, and in my name receives and accepts and welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble and sin, that is, who entices him or hinders him in right conduct or thought, it will be better, more expedient, and profitable or advantageous for him to have a great milestone fastened around his neck and to be sunk in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for such temptations to sin and influences to do wrong. It is necessary that temptation come, but woe to the person on whose account or by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble and sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. It is better, more profitable and wholesome for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble and sin, plug it out and throw it away from you. It is better, more profitable and wholesome for you to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell or Gehenna, Gehenna or fire. Beware that you do not despise or feel scornful toward or think little of one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always are in the presence and look upon the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save from the penalty of eternal death that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray and gets lost, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that is lost? And if it should be that if it should be that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the ninety-nine that did not get lost. Just so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost and perish. 
Alright. What's the hidden re reason? First off, they are innocent. Second of all, they are unassuming. They are forgiving and trusting implicitly. The biggest reason is that they are trusting. They have faith like no other. God is always asking that we should trust and obey Him with no hidden agenda or backup plan. Will today become will you today become like children? Let us begin to look at them differently and place the appropriate kingdom value on them. And God will begin to use them mightily in our world. Something to consider is this, or a question to consider. Why does the enemy tend to target children as well? Does he know something we don't? Let's look at number two. Call no man father on earth, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Call no teacher, for you have one teacher. Call no man leader, for you have one leader, Christ. You are all brothers. We look around our world today and even in our churches and we see men and women, young and old, looking for father figure, teachers and leaders. This is a void in society. Why then is God saying we should call no man father on earth or call no man a teacher or leader? Second question is, what of our earthly fathers or our spiritual fathers or our spiritual teachers and leaders? How then do we call them, scripturally speaking? Is there anything like it in the kingdom or is this another tradition of men playing out in our gatherings? Let's explore the scripture to see where he gave this instruction and then we will give hidden reason why God gave this instruction. Matthew 23 verses 8 to 9 and this is Jesus, the word speaking. But you are not to be called rabbi in bracket teacher for you have one teacher and you are all brothers and do not call anyone in the church on earth father for you have one father who is in heaven and you must not be called masters or leaders for you have one master leader which is christ he who is greatest among you shall be your servant hidden riches i'll explore this reason by giving the reasons given by the catholic church and also the protestant to proceed as instructed by jesus and i will draw some conclusions based on their view the catholic response in fact, to forbid it will rob the address, address father of his meaning when applied to God. For there will be no longer, uh, there would no longer be any divine fatherhood. The concept of God's role as father would be meaningless if we obliterated the concept of earthly fatherhood. But in the Bible, the concept of fatherhood is not restricted to just our earthly fathers and God. It is, it is used to refer to people other than biological or legal fathers and is used as a sign of respect to those who, with whom we have a special relationship. For example, Joseph tells his brothers of a special fatherly relationship God had given him with the king of Egypt. And this is Genesis chapter 45 verse 8 and I read, So it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Genesis 45.8 Job indicates he played a fatherly role with his less fortunate. I was a father with the less fortunate. I was a father to the poor and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. Job 29.16 And God himself declares that he will give a fatherly role to Eliakim, the steward of the house of David. In that day I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with a rope and will bind a girl on him and will commit authority to his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Jacob, Judah, 
That is Isaiah 22, verse 20 to 21. This type of fatherhood applies not only to those who are wise counselors like Joseph or benefactors like Job or both like, uh, like Eliakim. It also applies to those who have a fatherly spiritual relationship with one. For example, Elisha cries, My father, my father, to Elijah, as the latter is carried up to heaven in a whirlwind. 2 Kings 2, verse 12. Later, Elisha himself is called a father by the king of Israel. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 21. A change with the New Testament. A change with the New Testament? That's a question the Catholics are asking. Some Protestants argue that this usage changed with the New Testament, that while it may have been permissible to call certain men father, in the Old Testament, since the time of Christ, is no longer allowed. This argument fails for several reasons. First, as we've seen, the imperative, call no man father, does not apply to one's biological father. It also doesn't exclude calling one's ancestor father, as is shown in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, where Stephen refers to our father Abraham, or in Romans chapter 9, 10, where Paul speaks of our father Isaac. Second, there are numerous examples in the New Testament of the term father being used as a form of address and reference, even for men who are not biologically related, biologically related to the speaker. There are in fact so many uses of father in the New Testament that this ob so objection to Catholics calling priests father must be wrong, as we shall see. Third, a careful examination of the context of Matthew 23 shows that Jesus didn't intend for his words here to be understood literally. The whole passage reads, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, you are all brethren. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for you have one master, the Christ. Matthew 23, 8-10 the first problem is that although Jesus seems to prohibit the use of the term teacher in Matthew 28, 19-20, Christ himself appointed certain men to be teachers in his church. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Paul speaks of his commission as a teacher. For these I was appointed a preacher and apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. 1 Timothy 2, 7 For this gospel I was appointed a preacher an apostle and teacher, 2 Timothy 1.11. He also reminds us that the church has an office of teacher. God has appointed the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, 1 Corinthians 12.28. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, Ephesians 4.11. There is no doubt that Paul was not violating Christ's teaching in Matthew 23 by referring so often to others as teachers. Fundamentalists themselves slip up on this point by calling all sorts of people, doctor for example, a professor and scientist who have PhD degrees, that is doctorate, what they fail to realize is that doctor is simply the Latin word for teacher. Even mister, mistress are forms of word master, also mentioned by Jesus. So if his words in Matthew 23 were meant to be taken literally, Fundamentalists will be just as guilty for using the word teacher, doctor, and mister as Catholics for saying father. But clearly, that would be a misunderstanding of Christ's words. So what did Jesus mean? Jesus criticized Jewish leaders who have the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and salutations in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men, Matthew 23, 6-7. He was using hyperbole, that is in bracket, exaggeration to show the scribes and Pharisees how sinful and proud 
beware for not looking humbly to God as a source of all authority and fatherhood and teaching and instead setting themselves up as the ultimate authorities, father figures and teachers. Christ used hyperbole often. For example, when he declared, if your eye, if your right eye causes you to sin, plug it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Matthew chapter 5, 29 and 18, uh, 9 and Mark chapter 9, 47. Christ certainly did not intend this to be applied literally, for otherwise all Christians would be blind amputees. As 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 1 Timothy 1, 15. Jesus is not forbidding us to call men fathers who actually are such, either literally or spiritually. Is warning people against inaccurately attributing fatherhood or a particular kind or degree of fatherhood to those who do not have it. As the apostolic example shows, some individuals genuinely do have a spiritual fatherhood, meaning that they can be referred to as spiritual fathers. What must not be done is to confuse their form of spiritual paternity with that of God. Ultimately, God is our supreme protector, provider and instructor. Correspondingly, it is wrong to view any individual other than God as having these rules. Throughout the world, some people have been tempted to look upon religious leaders who are mere mortals as if they were an individual's supreme source of spiritual instruction, nourishment, and protection. The tendency to turn mere men into gurus is worldwide. This was also a temptation in the Jewish world of Jesus' day when famous rabbinical leaders, especially those who founded important schools such as Hillel and Shammai were highly exalted by their disciples. It is this elevation of an individual man, the formation of a cult of personality around him of which Jesus is speaking when he warns against attributing to someone an undue role as master, father or teacher. He is not forbidding the uh, perfunctory use of the honorifics or no, forbidding us to recognize that the person does have a role as a spiritual father and teacher. The example of his own apostles shows us that. The apostles show the way. The New Testament is filled with examples of and references to spiritual father-son and father-child relationship. It is worth quoting some of them here. Paul regularly referred to Timothy as his child. Therefore, I sent to you, Timothy, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, 1 Corinthians 4.17, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord, 1 Timothy 1, 2. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord, 2 Timothy 1, 2. He also referred to Timothy as his son. This charge I commit to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophetic utterances which pointed to you, that inspired by them you may wage the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1, 18. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2, 11, 1. But Timothy's what? You know how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, 22. Paul also referred to other of his converts in this way. To Titus, my true child, in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Titus 1, 4. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. Philemon 10. None of these men were Paul's literal sons. Rather, Paul is emphasizing his spiritual fatherhood with them. Now, spiritual fatherhood. Perhaps the most appointed New Testament reference to the theology 
of spiritual fatherhood of priests is Paul's statement, I do not write this to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4, 14-15 Peter followed the same custom, referring to Mark as his son. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does my son Mark. 1 Peter 5, 13 the apostles sometimes refer to entire churches under their care as their children. Paul writes, Here, for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours but you, for children ought not to lay up for their parents, but parents for their children. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 And my little children, with whom I am again in travail until Christ be formed in you. Galatians 4, 19 John said, My little children, I am writing this to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 1 John 2, 1 No greater joy can, can I have then than this, to hear that my children follow the truth, as said John 4. In fact, John also addresses men in his congregation as fathers, 1 John 2, 13-14. By referring to these people as their spiritual sons and spiritual children, Peter, Paul, and John imply their own roles as spiritual fathers. Since the Bible frequently speaks of this spiritual fatherhood, we Catholics acknowledge it and follow the custom of the apostles by calling priests father. Failure to acknowledge this is a failure to recognize and honor a great gift God has bestowed on the church, the spiritual fatherhood of the priesthood. Now, Protestants' response. Jesus has paused from exposing and condemning the Pharisees and scribes to command his disciples to do one thing differently in the future. He has said that these official teachings of Israel love of Israel love the title of rabbi. It means they have achieved the level of status in Judaism that comes with power over their others. It feeds exactly what drives them, their own thirst for recognition and honor. In contrast, Jesus has told the disciples not to call anyone rabbi. For one thing, they have only one teacher, Jesus himself. For another, they are all brothers. He does not want them taking position of status and authority above each other. In addition, Christ tells his disciples not to address anyone as father on earth. This is because they have a father in heaven, meaning God, Jesus' own father. Jesus does not mean no one may refer to a parent as father. He is specifically addressing the practice of referring to religious leaders and mentors as father in any formal or official sense. What's forbidden is an attempt to give one of Jesus' followers a spiritual status above that of others. It's suggested that great teachers or rabbis of the past, along with the patriarchs of Israel, were sometimes called the fathers during Jesus' era. Jesus wants that name wants that name and more importantly that reverent attitude to be reserved for God alone. This does not forbid anyone from occupying position of authority in the church. In fact, Jesus has given and will continue to give great authority to his disciples who will become known as the apostles. The danger being condemned is in using titles as the Pharisees used them to draw praise and honor to themselves and to buttress their own authority. Jesus emphasized to his disciples repeatedly that in his kingdom, leadership always takes the form of servanthood. John chapter 13, verse 12 to 16, and Matthew 23, 11. My response from God's ego ministry. 
I start with the scripture to buttress the point about the impact of attributing honor to God, uh, to uh, God as Father, the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord or Master, and the Holy Spirit as Teacher to man. When we go contrary to divine mandate, it has a tendency to create division in the body of Christ. As believers, we stick to one earthly spiritual father as a source of all teaching and leadership to the detriment of other teachers or leaders in the body of Christ, thereby severing the links that connect one body of believers to the others so that we can be equipped till we all come to the unity of faith. And I'll read this in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 13. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed again men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness, completeness found in Him. There's, there's so much division and disunity in the body of Christ today because brethren who have functional leadership role now have kept the body of believers under their armpit, preventing them from engaging with other believers from other fellowship for selfish ends. Let's see how Paul ran into problem concerning church unity with respect to having spiritual fathers all over the place like we have today and read how he addresses the error in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 18, Amplified Bible Classic Edition. But I urge you and entreat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement in what you say, and that there be no dissensions or factions or divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your common understanding and your opinions and judgments. For it has been made clear to me, my brethren, by those of Shleo's household, Shleo's or Cleo's household, that there are contentions and wranglings and factions among you. What I mean is this, that each one of you either says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cyphus or Peter, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ the Messiah divided into parts? Was Paul crucified on behalf of you, or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I did baptize the household of Stephanus also. More than this, I do not remember that I baptized anyone. For Christ the Messiah sent me out not to baptize but to evangelize by preaching the glad tidings, the gospel, and that not with verbal eloquence, lest the cross of Christ should be deprived of force and emptied of his power and rendered vain, in bracket, fruitless, void of value and of no effect. For the story and the message of the cross is sheer absurdity, absurdity, and fully to those who are perishing on their way to perdition. But to us who are being saved, it is the manifestation of the power of God. I mean, my encouragement to our fivefold ministry folk is that they should point people to the Father and not to themselves, to the Son and the Holy Spirit. They should act as guides to the Father, coming alongside them until they find pasture for themselves and can develop to the point where they can stand on their own and lead others to Christ. We should desist from attributing to man the glory due God henceforth. 
So many in the body of Christ have made their pastors God in their hearts, some sort of idols for worship. They do nothing except they talk to the pastor. That is called spoon-feeding Christianity. That is not discipleship. We should stop this unscriptural attitude of blocking members from developing by listening to messages from other gifts in the body of Christ. They belong to Christ. I have some devilish, uh, I have some devilish, these are some devilish, there are some devilish attitude of some pastors cursing members who leave their church. Where did we get this Jezebel spirit from? It is not of God, but of the devil and his dark kingdom. If you have other views, we look forward to hearing from you concerning your contribution to these two counterintuitive instructions from God that need to be obeyed. That brings us to the end of today's title, Perfect Words, Perfect Works, and Perfect Wonders. Call no man father or teacher or leader and make children priority as God's counterintuitive instruction, plus hidden reasons why you should obey them. Part 2. Praying for the people of continent of Oceania, a call to righteousness and justice. Note, if you have been blessed by today's content, share why to others who are struggling to obey God's counterintuitive instructions for their lives. Shalom. This is Ambassador Aurel Joe Monday or by God's Eagle Ministries, where we are seeding the nations uh, with God's word and God is transforming life through the timeless truth in his word, one content at a time. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for leading us through uh, this word. That's the word you put in my spirit, man, to present to your people, called by your name. I ask, Spirit of the Living God, that this word will, 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 they've heard it once, but let it continue to echo in their spirit a thousand times and more until they begin to do the things that you call them to be. Now, I pray for those who are in the hospital who are sick right now. Spirit of the living God, I ask that you hover over them, even right now, that are hearing what I'm saying right now. I use this voice as point of contact to you, to them. There's no distance in the realm of the Spirit. And I speak to you now. Be healed. I bind and I come against every spirit of infirmity. I command you be removed right now by authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. I lose health and healing to you. I declare, rise and work in the name of Jesus Christ. I cause as many that are uh, plagued by, by COVID, even right now. COVID, you are a virus, and you have a name. I cause you, COVID, to your roots right now, and I render you powerless and non-effective in the lives of the hosts that where you are resident, even right now. And I declare you are purged out of that body now in the name of Jesus. I lose health and healing by the authority in the name of Jesus upon you all. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, because testimonies shall abound plenty to your for your glory concerning this prayer that has gone forth. But the greatest miracle, O Lord, is that this word will catapult them to obey your instructions that you've written out in your word for your glory and our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.